Keep 100% of your claim. G4 Claims. If you've been hurt in a road accident that wasn't your fault, you should really talk to G4 Claims first. Unlike road accident solicitors, we don't charge you for our services, which could see you better off. To keep 100% of your compensation, have a chat with Nicole and the team. You'll be glad you did. Search online for G4 Claims. Keep 100% of your claim. G4 Claims. Welcome back to another episode of Day Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football. This is Season 2, Episode 6, and on the podcast today, I'm joined by always, Dick. How you doing, mate? Good, good. We bit lost from where, from, from last night, but can do this for the comfort of my own home, so it's, it's, I'm alright. It's all good. Not dragged into the studio just yet when you're feeling rough, so we're good. Uh, also on the podcast we have Gogsy, somewhat becoming a regular. That's two in a row you've now been on Gogsy. Uh, how you doing? I'm absolutely phenomenal, mate. Three wins in a row for the well. Uh, long may it continue. And also on the podcast, making his podcast debut it is Zach. Zach, how you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How you doing? I am. I'm not too bad. I've first day back at work in 18 months today then back in tomorrow i'm not liking it but i'm, I'm feeling i'm feeling all right i enjoyed doing nothing and apart from doing podcasts for the last 18 months so uh to get back to the real world it's pretty boring uh we'll say that um a rather uneventful weekend of scottish football uh the celtic game took quite an age to to get going uh Motherwell, as Gogsy rightly pointed to, three wins in the top for them after beating Aberdeen 2-0. Uh, Rangers came back from 1-0 down against St Johnston to win 2-1. And uh, Hearts, Hibs, Dundee United and Livingston, uh, sorry, Dundee and Livingston and St Mirren and Dundee United all ended 0-0. And who said Scottish football isn't boring? Uh, let's start with the, the first game of the weekend, which was Celtic versus Ross County. Uh, Dick, going into the game, what, what were you thinking um, uh, of how the game would, would turn out? Um, going into the game, obviously expecting a win. Um, I think Ross County are probably the weakest, if not, well, maybe Livingston, just either of the two are probably the weakest teams in the league, so you're expecting a win, but as the game was going on you didn't really know what was going to happen it was just a lacklustre performance players would just look lethargic especially Rogic I thought just don't know what it was is it maybe because of the travelling and stuff with the international break and, and playing at the other side of the, the world it's obviously took its toll on him a bit um, I just thought it was pretty flat the full game but and it took you know an absolute fluke to really get us going and then we went and solidified the win with, with two good goals that will do as yet. You know, the world are good for his confidence. So um expected a win and got it. So you can't can't be too unhappy, but it wasn't the best of performances. Yeah, it really wasn't. If Cameron Carter Vickers hadn't got that 
that lucky sort of deflection, then you know, would the floodgates have eventually opened for Celtic? You know, we we, we don't know. Um, Gogsy, what did what did you make of the 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 highlights of the, the game at least? Well, from what I saw, the highlights, I thought, well, it seemed to be a bit of a routine victory for Celtic. It just took a wee bit longer than what it has so far this season to sort of break down the barrier of enter away team here. Um, I thought Ross County may, maybe had a, maybe a couple of sniffs, but apart from that, the, the save from Dominic Samuel, uh, I mean, it, it was it was just a routine victory for Celtic in my eyes, and uh, I, I sort of expected it to be maybe even a wee bit more comfortable for Celtic. Uh, I'm just annoyed that he's didn't score in the first half because I had his own half-time, full-time in my coupon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you didn't get busted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, apart from that, um, yeah, routine victory for Celtic. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again. What I say, but the Ross County defended well for for a large part of that game, and and to be honest, they done better than the teams that have came before them this season. Uh, even though we have won by a bigger margin, it, like for the first until the Carter Vickers chance, there wasn't too many clear-cut chances. I think there was like a few, like Abada hit the bar and stuff and he had another shot um, that was well saved. Um, and I just thought that, you know, give them the credit where it's due because I thought that yesterday, going into the game, no issues. I just thought that it was going to be probably the biggest margin we were going to win by this season and obviously that would take some doing because we've won by six but to be fair, they've done well and it's, it's kind of a shame for them because it did take an absolute fluke to just kind of change the momentum in the game. Yeah, it did. And as the game grew on, you could see Ross County sort of growing into the game a little bit more. And that, that would have called for Postacoglu to have a little bit of um, a little bit of nerves. But, uh, you know, there was two yeah, good finishes from a Yeti that, that really uh, put the cherry on the cake for Celtic. Uh, Zach, what about yourself? Um, I, I, was, I agree with everything uh, Dex said as well. Um, I think uh, Ross County had a had a, a decent chance with um, McCallaghan. I think a, a ball came across the box, and uh, I think he could have maybe poked one in. And then um, Samuels as well. I think Charles Cook played a ball in, and, and he headed it right at uh, Joe Hart, who, who made a good save, right enough. But um, yeah, it's routine win for Celtic. Um, I thought they dominated start to finish really, and I thought Carter Vickers had a really good debut. Um, Jota as well. I thought he um, he was really direct, and I thought he really took the game to Ross County when he got the ball. Yeah, Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, I was hearing Celtic fans say that that he's a no nonsense defender. Some of the challenges that he was making, he was just getting in right about it, making sure that. He wasn't playing anything, uh, you know, dangerous. He was playing safe. The ball was going everywhere when he got it. Um, Dick, how how sort of refreshing is that to see for a, a no nonsense defender just to to take the ball and, and make sure it is out of danger and, and not you know mess around at the back with it. No, it's really refreshing because it's it's much needed as well. It's something that's kind of rarely find. I feel like and and defenders, you know, trying to get the balance of someone who. Is no nonsense, but can also play in Angie's system with the ball at their feet. Is you know we've seen Machine Duffy he might have been a bit no nonsense, but it it was virtually useless for us and on the ball and on the back foot. Um, so the signs are positive with Carter Vickers. Um, and it, you know that's what fans love to see tackles flying in. Um, 
and a guy that's you know really up for it. But um, it, it does look like he probably still needs a few games. I think you know the cramp towards the end showed that. So, um, but I do think we'll, we'll have a, a decent defender on our hands when you know he's got a, a few more games under his belt. And it was a, it was a solid it was a solid debut. We couldn't ask for much more, you know, clean sheet and a goal. No, de- de- definitely not. Um, I thought it was a an outstanding performance um, from him and uh, uh, you know, really solid performance from Celtic defensively. Um, Christopher Ayer left Celtic in the transfer window to go to Brentford. He's caused a little bit of a storm in Scottish football with his comments that he said he was not challenged enough in the league. I've seen a lot of uproar in regards to to this quote on Twitter. I've heard people have their their, their say on it. Uh, Deck, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think the general consensus is that he's been arrogant and to be honest, he, he probably is, but like, I think he's partially correct in what he's saying. Like, Fair enough, it's it's bad timing and it's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouths because of what happened last season. But there is, like, he's, he could have worded it better, yeah, but it kind of gets to a point when you play up here, like, you know, you can do so much and then you'll just begin to, like, stagnate. Um, You know, do you think it's, it's hard to say that, like, Satyrney and stuff would go to that level without, you know, having their move as much as it was grudged at the time um, so I, I think that you know he was kind of correct because there was times where he wasn't challenged like the seasons of 8 and 9 like people bring up oh, you know he couldn't get the better of Dykes but you're talking about the odd game of season where you know Dykes got the better of him and to be honest the, I think one of the recent ones against Livingston away not last season I think was it might have been last season actually it was when Julian was at fault for both goals so it's it's hard to draw a direct comparison with you know I on that situation say oh just because he's on the losing team like he couldn't handle that battle um I do think it was a bit it was a bit cheeky of him but at the same time you know for the benefit of his career he probably wasn't challenged a lot and he, he does need to move on to, to really push himself on uh Zach what about yourself uh, I, I I don't think he's been totally arrogant with it, but, but I can see why people are um, are thinking that these comments. But of course, uh, if you're at Brentford in the Premier League, of course you're going to have to defend a lot more than than he would um, up here. As Celtic have got like 70, 60 percent of the ball most games. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think he was uh, uh, been too. Too arrogant with it, and, and and as well, it was a good point Dick brought up about uh, Kieran Tierney and um, and even Virgil Van Dijk about, uh, way back then um, when he was at Celtic. Uh, same with him; he, his game really picked up at um, Premier League level, and maybe the same will happen with Ayer. That's a good point, though. No? Like, when you're at Celtic, obviously, like you're not you're not defending a lot of the time. Like, obviously in Europe and stuff, you are, and I think maybe that's why. When, when Celtic play in Europe, the players almost might get a shock because they all of a sudden go from playing Ross County on a weekend where, you know, you've got 60-70% possession. You don't really need to do any, you know, def- well, you obviously need to defend at points, but it's fairly comfortable. And then you go to play in a standard during the week where 
your backs against the wall, like the Altmar game, were backs against the wall for the majority of the game, and it and it can be a shock to their system. And I think Ayer did mention that you know when he was going to play with Norway, he was he was getting found out a bit because you know he's gone from an environment where he's not having to defend as much to playing for Norway where he's having to do a lot of defending and it's and it's hard, obviously to you know kind of have that switch in in your game, but um. Now, I don't think, I do think he has, I've always rated him and I do think he will will pick it up and, and be a be a success. Gogsy, what about yourself? I think it's, I think he's used the wrong words in terms of being challenged. I think he is actually not as motivated as he was, uh, as he would potentially be in the Premier League because, of course, I mean, I think it was always going to happen and I think there's a sort of cycle for us, your average Celtic or Rangers player now. Uh, I mean, it may be great winning a couple of things for playing for Rangers or Celtic, but uh, it will get to a point in every Rangers or Celtic player's career in which they get bored of playing the Scottish Premiership because they're winning so much. And I mean... From an outsider's perspective in the league, there's only two teams that are going to actually challenge for the title. So it is going to be very routine that Celtic and Rangers are going to win comfortably a lot. And when it comes to playing against a a higher level opposition, then they're never going to be prepared for it unless they actually move to that standard. Yeah, I mean, I I can't disagree with uh, what many of you have, you know, all said. Um... I, I do think I do th- it's a hard one because I understand what he's saying but I also do think he's doing Scottish football a little bit of a disservice um, but yeah I, I don't think there's much more I can I can really add without repeating what you guys have said um, let, let's I, move on I would say I would say I would have been like fair enough if he had said those comments after moving maybe this time last year after Celtic winning so much and all that, but he didn't, and Celtic didn't even win a uh, title or a a cup last season, so it's it's come to that, in my opinion, unless you want to count the the cup final against Hearts, uh, which was from the season before, but I mean, technically they didn't win anything last year, so you can't really say you weren't challenged. Uh, well, in fairness, like I thought he was the shining light. Like, it's not as if he left our team. Well, I'd, I'd maybe say Turnbull because he was like you know the new standout, but it wasn't like you know a Marvin Compa leaving leaving your team of having played under a handful of games and saying oh how the league's poor. Like the guy got Player of the Year from the you know the club. The players voted him Player of the Year, so you know he's he's obviously stood. I did think he stood out. He obviously had his moments, but. He did kind of stand out as well, so you can definitely understand him a bit. Okay, um, let's let's move on to Motherwell versus Aberdeen. Uh, Aberdeen haven't won a game since the twelfth of August, which was a Europa League tie. Motherwell were aiming for three wins in the bounce. Gogsy, you were there. Uh, what did you think of the performance? Well, I think to start off with, I think the statistics does the match a disservice because. Uh, it's well, Aberdeen had a lot of the ball, but they did hee haw with it. Uh, from the notes I've gathered here, um, I mean, 
they fought at Aberdeen. Uh, every every shot that Aberdeen had at goal was straight at Liam Kelly. Like they literally had no placement in any of their shots. Motherwell were by far the better team, uh, given the fact that we had twenty five percent possession. We still, whenever we had the ball, we were clinical with it. Going forward, we looked like scoring every time, and Aberdeen just didn't know what to do in terms of dealing with our front three, which was absolutely sublime to see. Um, we, I mean, we, we allowed Aberdeen a, a lot of the ball because it, every time they got the ball into the final third, they just didn't know where to go because uh, you you talked about previously and Cameron Carter-Vickers being a no-nonsense centre-back. We've got two no-nonsense no centre-backs in ourselves uh, in Johanny Oyala and uh, the new boy Solholm Johansson. Uh, two, two Scandinavian boys who just seem to really go hand in hand together and they make a fantastic partnership. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I was just really impressed with how we, how we played and it was essentially the Kevin Van Veen show because every time he got the ball, he got the fans off the seats and oh, a goal and an assist, it was an absolute joy to watch. Yeah, you mentioned Kevin Van Veen. He is becoming somewhat of uh, the main man at Motherwell, isn't he? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, has to be said, uh, Tony Watt and Kane Willery were also very good as well. So, uh, I mean, Kevin Van Veen can be named as our main talisman now, but I think Tony Watt's got some of them to as well. i uh, seen a picture of Tony Watt on Instagram putting his hand on Scott Brown's head there. Uh, oh yeah, that, that was funny as well. Uh, basically, what happened was uh, Scott Brown had uh, challenged Tony Watt, and then Tony Watt tried to run past him, and Scott Brown sort of ran into his way, and then Tony Watt barged him over, and uh, Tony Watt got bit for it. But running past him afterwards, he sort of just sort of rubbed his scalp. It was quite funny. Uh, Dick, what about yourself? What did you think? I mean, Dogsy says the Kevin Van Bean show, and I think that'll be a phase we'll hear um, here on out through you know, the season. But to be honest, if he keeps going the way he's going, it'll be hard for a team like Muller to keep him beyond January. I think we've seen the impact, you know, Nisbet made at Hibs, and he was trying to, you know, push through a move mid-season. And I wouldn't be surprised if Van Veen's on the same boat come January, which is obviously probably disappointing for, for Dogsy here, but... It, it's the reality of it. Like he's came into a team who, you know, I don't think the the Motherwell fans were excited about going into the season. Obviously, from speaking to you, Gogs, I don't think expectations were too high. But uh, I think I could tell after you know the first game I watched Motherwell well against Hibs, um, Van Veen was their standout performer, and you just know that if they manage to keep him throughout the season, um, they'll they'll be fine. Totally fine, especially with Willery, who personally I think is you know a good a good player who who links up well with Van Veen. But it just shows you though, like teams can have as much of the ball as they want, but if Motherwell's got a guy like him who can pull out, you know, he's got great heading ability, so he's he's able to you know get himself into the box and be an aerial threat. But he also likes to come into the channels and he can put a good ball into the box and and cause trouble that way as well and. With the likes of Tony Watt and, as I said, Willery around about him, I do think Mullerow will be fine. Yeah, and also uh, I have to say, like, I mean, Kevin Van Veen, 
I can't believe he's 30 years old because some of the stuff he does, like he did a sombrero flick over an, an Aberdeen player yesterday and I honestly hadn't ever seen that far apart before. So it was, it, it was absolutely sublime. Um, one thing I am hoping though is the fact that now he is 30 years old, hopefully that that um, sort of deters some clubs because some clubs seem to think that as soon as a player hits 30, it's not really worth the investment because obviously you're looking to make a profit on them as well. Yeah. Um, just going back to, to what you said there, uh, or to what Dex said there, he, you know, he doesn't think he, he thinks that Motherwell can can remain comfortable within the league, you know, if Kevin Van Veen continues to, to perform how he has. You um actually put Motherwell down as finishing eighth. Has their start to the season surprised you then? Uh for me, yes. Um I well I mean I hadn't I, I didn't know much about most of the signings we've made, apart from Liam Kelly of course being the signing of our season last year. Uh and Liam Kelly again coming in permanently. I mean, he showed his worth yesterday. I think he made about six or seven uh, decent saves, even though they were right at him. Uh, you've also got the two Scandinavian centre halves we brought in, uh, one being a Finnish internationalist, the other uh, coming from a club with a, a similar sort of background as Motherwell, in which uh, Dalin in the in Nor Norwegian league, um, they are a bit like Motherwell in the sense that they're not expected to do much. They're, you have to sort of fight for every point. And that, that's essentially what Motherwell is all about. And, like, Graham Alexander has got a defensive team set up really well at the back, and all we have to do is hit teams on the counter-attack because with the front three we've got, if everyone stays fighting fit, then we are not only going to finish in the top six, we're going to challenge for Europe this season. And that that is a bold claim for myself, saying that, that is. we were going to finish eighth. But... I've I don't actually remember in my lifetime seeing Motherwell be on ten plus points after five games before. Yes, it's only five games in the season, but we've dealt really well against an Aberdeen side, which are which are expected to be pushing for third. And I, I don't know if it was just an off day, but mm. if we are playing against a team like Aberdeen and comfortably beating them, because if we if we give them another half hour. I still wouldn't have seen Aberdeen scoring. And we may, maybe would have scored a third. Like, it was that sort of game that I was just comfortable. As soon as we scored the second goal, I was like, yes, we won this game because Aberdeen were awful. Yeah, they didn't look like creating much chances. Uh, Zach, what about yourself? What did you think of the game? Um, I, I quite enjoyed watching it. Uh, I caught the highlights of it. And I thought... Um, of, of course, as you were saying, we, we Van Veen, I thought it was a great header. It was a great goal. Um, I think it was Willery for the right hand side, man. It was a it was a wicked ball he played into him. Um and he looked really good as well. Again, as Paul uh, was saying. Um and it as well, I thought William Kelly was was very, very comfortable all game. I don't think Aberdeen really had that many chances. Um I think the fullbacks played a couple of crosses in um that reached Ramirez, I think, at the start of the game. Um but from that I, I don't think they really had many chances. Although the stats would say otherwise, but um yeah, I, th I thought Motherwell, again, uh, were comfortable in it and did fully deserve the, the 2 all win. I think that as well, like, that this season's set up to be kind of one of the most competitive in a while. Like, see, looking at the recruitment that's been done throughout the whole league, some of the recruitment's been brilliant. Like, 
Mother with Anne Veen, then Hearts, you know, Woodburn and that Benny. I'll not even attempt to pronounce his second name. I think I will have heard that version and I've heard Adam call him at Bannon Gimme, so uh, I'll just avoid it by calling him Benny. Um, and then obviously with Celtic, we, we've recruited well. You know, Rangers have they've had a strong squad. They've got virtually two good players in every single position, just about. So I think it is, you know, the ultimate the end goal prize being automatic Champions League qualification. Then you've got obviously every other team recruiting really well. It's it's, it's honestly hard to to really predict at this point where where anyone will finish. I think you'll see a lot of results this season where just you know there's inconsistencies where like, you know Hibs might win one week and then the next week get beat you know well it's just like the way it's, it's going to be especially with you know Dundee Derby but you get the Edinburgh Derby you've got um, the Glasgow Derby obviously and it's just there's going to be a, a lot of I think it's a good ad, like there's going to be a lot of you know good adverts for, for the game up here this season yeah and I mean I, I already start seeing like even between seventh and eighth, Dundee United have already opened up a, a four point gap, and I mean, it, it's it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna start being another sort of. I mean, the top six may be several points ahead of the bottom six by the end of the season, but my only sort of reservations for Motherwell this season is like in the next seven games, I think we've got Rangers twice, Celtic, Hearts. And then we we're playing a couple of the bottom six sides. So I mean we've got at least four or five big matches in there in which we're gonna have to play to the best of our abilities and hopefully we can just uh, continue how we've been doing this season. I mean, yesterday was by far the best I've seen us this season. And apart from that, the only time we were actually good was against Hibs in the game we lost. So even when we've not been playing particularly well, we've been picking up points. So uh, more more power to us, and hopefully we continue that rich being a form we're in. But anyway, I, oh, I think it, I think it, I think it will be a case of Ross County and Livingston just getting left behind. Honestly, see, but at the end of the season when we look back at the table, I think you'll find that tenth, you know, third to tenth, there will be like close closer than it's been in, in a while mm-hmm. uh, and then you'll just find I just think they two are um, not a you know disrespect them I just don't think they've got anywhere near enough to, to really make a challenge this season and you've obviously seen that with Livingston only scoring two goals so far in the league and I don't, I don't think Ross County have scored that much more so it'll probably be a case of the top that you know the, the, the top two running away with it as per usual, though, and and probably the the bottom two have been cut adrift. But apart from that, I, I do think it's it's going to be competitive. Okay, um, let's move on to a game that probably provided us with the most sort of action and drama. It was St Johnston versus Rangers, as I mentioned at the top. Uh, Rangers came back from a one 0 deficit to win two one. Um, Zach, let's go start with you. Um, should John McLaughlin have seen red? And they're opening ten minutes. Uh, I, I I I panicked when I, I first seen it. Um, I I thought it might have been a red. Um, I'm not entirely sure on the rules if if um it should have or, or shouldn't have been. I, I was just glad as a ranger fan that <laughs> it was only a yellow. Um, but I I, I don't know. I think he could uh, he could have easily seen red in another day. Uh, Dick, what about yourself? 
I, I mean, you know, when I was watching it live, I seen Willie Collum do his classic run with the anger in his eyes, and I just thought, oh, here we go. He looked like he was going straight for the pocket to rip it a red, and then uh, he surprised me when he pulled out a yellow. I mean, I think by the letter of the law, obviously, if he's the last man, he's obviously been outside his box, then uh, as a red card, I don't think he was the last man, but I just think the nature of the challenge, he comes out and, at, well, from what I can remember, he just empties O'Halloran out and leaves him in a heap. So I do think a red would have probably been the right decision. I think it comes down to um, two things. Was he the last man? And if he was, then yeah, it is a red card. Uh, if not, it then comes down to well, did he make an attempt to play the ball? I I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, I've only seen it, you know, once. I only got like one shot of it. I never I've not seen an alternative <laughs> shot, and I I do think he is he is lucky to to be on the park because it it was not a great challenge. Um, yeah, I, I think nine times out of ten, though, like players are always wanting to go for the ball first and foremost and you know that early in the game he's he's not going to put a tactical foul in where you know he can he can take the red or if, if it was going to be a red you know and walk off knowing that he had won but uh, it's just didn't like you know the nature of the challenge it just looks like he completely comes and cleans O'Halloran out and you're thinking like if that's not a red then you know if that's in the box is it a different story? And then, you know, just it just depends. Like, is it, is it a red then because of where it is and, you know, the extent of the challenge and stuff like that? But, mm. yeah, I was, I was surprised. Um, Zach, obviously, uh, Michael O'Halloran sort of recovered from that challenge and put St Johnston 1-0 up. What, what was your, your thoughts when, when that happened? You know, the Rangers had just won the, you know, the derby, the old term against Celtic. They've... Then came to um, McDermott Park and they went one 0 down. What, what was your thought as a Rangers fan at that point? Yeah, well, I, I honestly didn't didn't panic because I think Rangers came out in the second half and uh, they really upped the tempo and um, started playing a lot better. But it just kind of came. I think it was it was one of the centre halves. I think it was Miller. Uh, he got too much time on the ball inside his own half and he he played a good ball through. Uh, Michael Howard and Helander was the only one that went wrong. And uh, he, he miskicked it. I think he, he kicked the ball and uh, O'Halloran got the, uh, the better of it. I think uh, it was a wee bounce off him. And, um, and it was a good finish as well, uh, once he cut in uh, past the lander. But uh, yeah, honestly, I'd, there was still half an hour in the game to go. I, I knew Rangers would um, would definitely um, throw the kitchen sink at going to get another couple of goals. And um, we've seen it with St Johnson as well, where we're on this season. I think it was against Galatasaray they went one up. And um, once they sat in, they, I don't know, they kind of panicked or they didn't really know uh, what to do with them being, being one up sitting back. Um, but I, 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 just, I wasn't really too panicked with it. And uh, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, obviously, Rangers, you know, were given a chance to get right back in it, maybe about seven minutes later. Um, was it a penalty? Was Ryan Kane, was it? The foul enough to give a penalty, should I say, Dick? Uh, yeah, I, well, sorry, I think it was a stone baller. I thought it was a stone baller. No, I agree with, with Zach. I think it was a penalty. Just so stupid to go to ground there. Like, um, nah, there's no arguments. As much as, you know, referees love to give Rangers a penalty. 
Definitely. <laughs> they, were, they definitely, well, Colin was definitely given a good reason to, you know, give them one. So it was a penalty. It was just ridiculous to go to ground. And then as soon as you do that and you give them, you know, the because it was, I think O'Haran scored around 51 minutes and that was what, 57, they, they scored the penalty. As soon as you give, you know, a team like Rangers, you know, a chance almost instantaneously to get back into the game, um, there's only one way the game's going to go. I think we all we all knew it would be a foregone conclusion, especially with the, the quality the Rangers have got to, to go on and win the game. We got, like, you know, half an hour left, so, mm. yeah. Roof obviously stepped up, a ferocious penalty, well taken. But his reaction with the St Johnston captain after the the penalty had been in, um, was he lucky to stay on the park with his reaction, Zach? I I honestly don't think he he done anything wrong. I think he, he just went to go and get the ball for the for the for the goal and just go back to get a quick restart. And I think um, the St Johnston captain just. No, try, he did take the ball out uh, of his hands and um, for some reason, really, um, other than to just slow the game down. And uh, Roof just stood there, it was just handbags, really, I think, um, head to head. And it was really Morelos that I was worried about once once he came flying in. Hmm. Um, I, I thought he was a, the real worry there, but um, nah, it was all handbags, really, I think, at the end of the day. Uh, Dick? From watching it live, um... Listen, if that happens to to one of your players and they get sent off for that, you'd be raging. I think that was like what I kind of reflected on because initially I did think it was a red card. Um, just for seeing it live and you know the, all the handbags and players running over and stuff, and I, I did think that like, he, he moved his head towards, you know, as much as like you know players try to get away with that sometimes and they, they move their head and it's never really a serious head, but it's like the rule book is like if you if you move your head. Into an, like, into an opponent's face as I read mm. and which I did think happened but um, kind of looking back and watching the game back tonight on the on the highlights uh, would have been harsh I think yeah okay um, I, I, I want to put my pennies worth in and say just it, it was a completely stupid situation from both parties and no like no one should have actually tried to get involved because in that scenario, the, 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 there's always going to be a book, and when whenever someone scores to pull the game back, and I mean, there's more than ha- half an hour left to play. I mean, why would why would you even do such a thing when there's so much left on the line? You're still drawing the game. I mean, I, I can see why St Johnson would want to slow the game down because I mean, a, a point is gold dust against Rangers or Celtic, but. For me, it was just absolutely pointless. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with that, Gogs. Yeah, I, I think it was it was needless. Um, you know, it's situations like that 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 can arise, but it is just hot headedness. It is just stupidity, and um, it it can end up costing you severely because if Rangers go down to ten men, or even St Johnston go down to ten men, because two players have sort of came together um, for for virtually no no reason. Um, you know, it, it can cause something that it, that it doesn't need to and can spoil what was a, a, a real action-packed and drama-filled game. Um, Rangers' Philip Hollander went off, injured, he went off on a stretcher. Um, Connor Goldson's out self-isolating. Uh, Rangers have a massive game in the Europa League against Lyon. 
on Thursday night. Um, defensive woes mounting up, are they not, Zach? Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely a worry. Um, I think Conor Goldson's uh, isolating right now. And, um, of course, Havander being out is definitely a big miss too. Um, so I think it will probably be um, Simpson who came on um, on Saturday. It will probably be him and Balogun. And, yeah, there's, there's not too much depth there. We, of course, won't uh, cat it out. Um, so we're, we're looking um, pretty bare bones there. Um, yeah, it's a worry going into it, I think. But, um, yeah, I think we're on a good side. Um, I think it will definitely be... I think it will be a high-scoring game, mm. as you say, with the centre-backs. Um but yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a good game. Well, I'm, I'm going to touch on that because we've, um, obviously with Hibs, uh, Hearts versus Hibs ending 0-0, uh, Dundee and Livingston ending 0-0, and St Mirren and Dundee United ending 0-0, there's not much scope to really to cover the games. Um, you know, So I was going to move on and just have a quick look ahead to the, the European games. Um Leon in action tonight. Uh, I've seen Moussa Dembele scored um, a screamer to, to give Leon the lead, I believe. Um, how big a game is that for Rangers on Thursday, uh, Gogsy? I mean, it's it's a big game, but I mean, I, I honestly don't see Rangers doing much against Leon. Like, it was different, however many years ago, Rangers last played Leon in a, in a group stage. Because, I mean, I, I believe Rangers went 3-0 away there. Uh, I mean, it's a completely different side. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know, but I hope it's a really, really high-energy game so Rangers are tired out for Sunday because they're playing us. Um, but... Um, I, I just want to ask, how long is Goldson going to be self-isolating for? Um, um, not too sure. I think um, the I think is there a different ruling now with the double vaccination thing? That might be a thing, but I'm sure it was like two weeks or something. But I, I, I hope not. Because <laughs> I know it was ten days. That was, a ten day period was a sort of standard thing, but it may be different now. But I think yeah, I'm unsure. I think. But, but with, with all these doubtful players for Rangers against Leon, it, it leaves them exposed at the back, especially if if, if Leon are going to have their full firepower. So it, it's going to be very difficult for Rangers to get anything from the game. But uh, I'm just fearing because like Rangers themselves that usually bounce back really well after a defeat in Europe. So even 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 if Rangers run them close and just get beat in a tight affair. And it could be uh, a really uh, bad thing for us. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll, I, I really hope Rangers and Celtic do something on Thursday. Uh, but I'm, I honestly can't see it, unfortunately. I think Dembele will be licking his lips at the prospect of going up against Simpson. And who, who <laughs> else will be starting the centre-half? Uh, Balogun. Balogun it will be. I, th- I think he's, he's good cover to have. You know, if you're Golden and Haaland out, but having them two out for probably their biggest game in Europe so far is is huge. I think Golson was pivotal in the success last year, wasn't he? He was inconsistent for years, yeah. I thought, and then last season he just seemed to find that consistency, and was he, he was up there for a Player of the Year contender. Um, oh. so having him out is is huge. But I am um, just 
I don't know what it is. I just I don't know if it's almost like a fear because it's like the rival. It's like you being a supporter of the rivals. You just don't want to like you're almost in like fear in case you know your rivals do anything in Europe. I know that's probably unrealistic as Celtic Rangers fans, but I just don't want to write Rangers off in Europe because the past few seasons they just proved so hard to beat and even with deficiencies like they they can seem to get result and you know you've seen that the other week against Celtic obviously in the old firm albeit still a strong squad but they had their captain out which is you know a a big loss and still seen out a win a clean sheet so I don't want to write them off for for Europe but I do think it's a pretty uphill task for for both Glasgow clubs going into the the fixtures midweek. I, I do think Rangers were stronger last season when they didn't have fans in. I don't know if I buy into that too much. I mean, I'm, I I'm not buying into it too much, but nah. I, I, I think they, well, they struggled against the uh, Alaska. Uh, I, I watched some of their game in Armenia and it, it was just an awful match. And I know the humidity, the humidity over there wouldn't have done anyone any favours, but I, I thought it was just completely awful to watch and I mean Rangers have ridden the luck in Europe so far this season mm-hmm. I think they I think they rely I think they think is that you'll probably have a better take on this but I, I do think that Rangers relied on that Champions League qualification it really build and I think that's why now you've seen them not really build on the quality they have don't get me wrong like not disputing the quality they have they've got the best squad overall like, there's no denying that but I do think you can see this season, you know, when a team's on, it's, it's the old saying, like when a team's on top, you you keep strengthening to stay on top. Like, I think now that they've not really added a lot of quality into that team, you're seeing it stagnate a wee bit, albeit you're still, they've still got the quality to see out these results and grind out these wins, which shows a winner's mentality. But I do think you're seeing a bit of stagnation where these players are quality players, but every winning team needs freshened up to, to keep themselves motivated to go and replicate their success so it'll be interesting with um, just conscious of time um, Celtic will take on Real Betis in Seville uh, I think that'll be the first time Celtic will be have been back in Seville since that night in 2003 um, the Betis boss Manuel Pellegrini has had a pop at La Liga for a uh, Possible unfair advantage handed to Celtic uh, due to the fact that Betis are due to play Granada, their Andalusian rivals, tomorrow night or Monday night, I suppose I should have said. Um, will that will that be a factor uh, ahead of the, the, the game on Thursday, Dick? Massive. I, I, me and Mark were talking about that yesterday. Uh, how ridiculous that is from the Spanish league to, to authorise that. You know, you've got teams that are playing on the weekend that aren't playing midweek. And then you've got Betis playing on a Monday night when they've when they're playing Celtic on Thursday. Mm. So it's strange and you know, going there going away from home in Europe, being a Celtic fan, you take any small positive you can get and that that's gotta be one, albeit they're at home on Thursday and they shouldn't it shouldn't have like a a huge factor, but I do think that depending on the game and stuff like that, they, they maybe will be a bit fatigued. Mm. Um, I don't think you know, best well, I know for a fact they've not had the best of starts because they've 
they've drew two games and they lost to Real Madrid. You know, they've not scored a lot of goals, albeit not defending a lot, uh, not conceding a lot, sorry. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, but I do think, I do think it's a shambles how that league of, you know, allowed them to play on a month or made them play on a, a Monday night when they're playing the Thursday. Yeah, uh, it is odd. Uh, when I seen that this morning, I was, I was surprised. Uh, you know, because you you would expect the the sort of league to favour the, their own side, but it seems like they've just shot them in the foot. To be honest, um, good to I, see Pellegrini. Good, so I I good to see Pellegrini getting the excuses out already. <laughs> Uh, can I come in for a sec? Um, it seems to me that in Europe, there's only England and Scotland that have the sort of traditional designated 3pm kickoff on a Saturday. And I think I have seen over the last few seasons, uh, I'm surprised that Real Betis uh, having their game being played on the Monday night. But it's not just Real Betis that have had this disadvantage. I mean, I'm pretty sure the likes of Zenit uh, teams in like Slovakia, Slovenia, Czech Republic also have like they've got staggered kickoffs, so they've they've always got a game on Saturday, Sunday, and then a Monday. So I think it's just unfortunate for Betis that they've their games fallen under that because it'll be controlled by the TV because it's such a big game that they're playing in. Uh, but I mean, it would have made sense definitely if even if the game was on the Sunday, but. I, I, I think, well, it's a, in terms of fixture scheduling, it's like an unwritten law that you have to have at least two game, two days in between matches, and uh, it's it just so happens that they've got a massive trip to Scotland uh, on the Thursday. You know, I think it's more logical though, for uh, you know the La Liga's point of view that hmm. Levante and Rayo Vallecano play on a Saturday, but none of them play in Europe. To put that on the Monday, rather than putting a team to play on Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do think teams need to be equipped enough. This is the whole point in having depth and stuff like that over the course of the season. So, you, like when stuff like this happens and your fixture schedule becomes congested, that you can get through it. But it's just, it's just nonsensical. It does take the piss. Yeah. I am. Um, I I think it's it, it's poor. Um, you know. Granada and Betis, obviously, they're Andalusian rivals, but they don't play right next to each other. I think it's like a five-hour round trip um, that Betis need to travel. And you put all that in, I think it's a 10pm kickoff on Monday night. So then you add in the travel there. They're not going to get back to at least the early morning of the Tuesday, and then they're going to have to train on the Tuesday and possibly the Wednesday to, to sort of come up against Celtic uh, on the, the Thursday. is. It is really, um, it's hard to get your head around because it, it's not something you, you would see, as I said earlier, you would see sort of leagues protecting their own teams, but as I say, it looks like what league have just thrown Betis to the to the wolves. Um, You'd expect that in this country though, like with, with the SFA doing that, with our clubs, you'd, that's something you'd expect in this country. More, I'm, more waiting, Spain, but... I'm waiting for Zach to pipe up about uh, the Zenit disaster in 2008. Oh no, that was, uh, that was a real joke, that was really bad. <laughs> but, uh, I think it's a bit of a perplexing um, thing as well for La Liga. Almost as bad as FSFA. Jeez, oh. Got there, mate. 
got it in the end. Hello, um, man. Gogsy, uh, you said that you don't think Rangers will, will do much on Thursday. Score prediction. Uh, I reckon it'll be 2-1 to Leon. Uh, I, I think Rangers may take the lead, but it, it, it'll come down to fitness. And I think with the defensive frailties they've, they've got, I think uh, Moussa Dembele will have an enjoyable day, unfortunately. Dick, what about yourself? I think it'll be 2-1 as well. Um, I don't like... I mean, it's not that... I don't know what it is. I just... Rangers at home as well over the past year and a bit uh, have been really, you know, they've, teams have went there and found it difficult to win. Uh, good teams as well. Um, but I do think with Goldson being out and Holanda being out as well, that is, is huge. I think that if the right come through that, it would be a massive achievement just the fact that your two strongest centre-halves are out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just think Dembele will have... A wee bit too much. Well, you'd you'd like to think so, but who who really knows? Because as I said, at home Rangers, Rangers can be sturdy and difficult to beat. Yeah, uh, Zach. Um, I, I was going to say I won because Leon's form going into this isn't the greatest. Of course, I'm beating Strasbourg right now, but um, I've played the likes of Claire Montfort and um, who are. Uh, recently promoted and they drew with them. They were winless in the first three. Um, but I, I think I'd be happy with a draw. I'd say I, I won each. But uh, Leon definitely they have a lot of good players. They've signed the likes of Shakiri and Jerome Boateng and numerous good players. So it'll, it'll be a tough game for sure. But I think uh, being at Ibrox, I think we can get at least a draw on each. Like we're dangerous as well. It's not like anyone would write off like any of the games in Europe because obviously when you're a fan you want to go in and win win the games as, as unrealistic as it might be I think you've always got that feeling going to a European game you're like oh imagine we like, win tonight like how, how much good it will do for the confidence but like if we're being realistic about it Rangers probably don't need to worry too much about the Leon games I think that they'll take care of you know the group will kind of take care of itself see if they like they can beat the other teams that are in the group They'll obviously be fine, but um, I just think that at home you obviously probably want the result, but it's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? If you if, if Rangers don't come away with the three points, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think we'll be able to beat Bronby and uh, Sparta Prague. I think we'll definitely get through in second, but um, yeah, I think Leon is probably a, a given that they'll, they'll top the group. Okay, um, Real Betis versus Celtic. Gogsy, go for it. What's your prediction? Uh, I think. Betis will have a. I I reckon it'll be it'll be a tight start, but I think Betis will have just a bit too much for Celtic. I think uh, if you're still missing Furuhashi, uh, he will be a, a big miss, and unfortunately, you'll come and stuck two 0 Okay, uh, Zach. Um, I, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think um, Betis are a, a team that like to keep the ball, as, as most Spanish teams are very technical. And then it'll be the, it'll be the same with Celtic, but um, I, I think Betis will have a wee bit too much as well. Um, I'll go with a 1-0 a one, a one Betis. And Dick? I think um, I, I might be being a bit over-enthusiastic with it, but I do think that it might be well, my prediction is two each. 
like I'm just taking into consideration the fact that they're playing on Monday night. As you say, the travel, albeit five hours, it's still, you know, playing in a game, travelling home, like you're you know, it's late on, you're getting back the next day without much prep. You've you've got like virtually what they'll probably not even train the next day, it'll just be like a recovery session. So you've essentially got like one day of preparation or like one and a half days of preparation before you need to play Celtic. Whereas we've had, you know, a bit of a longer break in between fixtures than they have. Um, as well as as what I've said, like on top of what I've said, they've not had a good, they've not won yet this season. Albeit they've not scored a lot of goals, but mm-hmm. I do think, I just think it will be to each. I think like you know we'll come out the traps as we normally do, get a, like maybe get an early goal, and I think they will obviously have the ability to score as well. And I just think towards the end of the game it will be will be sluggish just with our midfield anyway. I just think that when it gets to the later embers of the game, we don't have the legs. And then, obviously, their their game on Monday playing a huge part in why they'd be leggy as well. So, I do think it will be a draw, but I do think both teams will score a few. OK, well, that wraps us up for this week's episode of Dave Stefano Talks Talking Scottish Football, uh, sponsored by G4 Claims. I want to say a massive thank you to the guys at G4 for sponsoring the podcast and uh, from all of us at Dave Stefano Talks. We cannot wait to get into the fantastic studio uh, that the guys have for us. We will be back next Monday at 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Mm-hmm.